It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. The kidnapper has been overtaken and overpowered, and those who were under his control and dominion have been ransomed and released. I love the theme, the focus, and the title of this week's podcast on Discover Your Spiritual Identity. We are the ransomed of the Lord, and there's a powerful revelation that goes along with that. Let me take you back to Isaiah 35, verse 10, and that's where you find this name for God's people surfacing in Scripture. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. What a powerful verse. And what does it mean? Well, it's referring to two different things. The word Zion can mean just Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel. And of course, this particular passage relates to the return of the children of Israel from Babylonian bondage. And they were brought out of captivity and restored to their homeland. And of course, they came back with great joy after 70 years of being enslaved by that empire. But it also relates to something on a much, much higher level. Because see, Zion is also a name for New Jerusalem, the holy city that will be the capital city of a new creation. And you and I, if you've been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, regenerated by the power of God, we are on our journey back to Zion, back to full fellowship and intimacy with the Most High God. And in a world full of depression, everlasting joy is upon our heads. And as we battle discouragement, disheartened attitudes, self-condemnation, guilt, all the misery that fills this world, we are learning to put it all under our feet until that wonderful moment comes when sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Let me read you the whole chapter. It's only 10 verses long, and there's such rich revelation there. It starts out, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the rose. Well, this world is a wilderness. It's like an arid desert. Nothing is alive here. It's all, well, of course, in a natural sense, yes, but in a spiritual sense, there's so much death pervading this realm. But God said, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. I like this next verse. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, 
Be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, the tongue of the dumb shall sing, for waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert, the parched ground shall become a pool, the thirsty land springs of water, and the next verse says, a highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness." The unclean shall not pass over, but it shall be for those who have been redeemed, who have been ransomed. It shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not err therein. He shall not go astray. In other words, even if a person doesn't have a lot, intellectually speaking, a lot of mental capacity to comprehend and understand life, if they know enough to connect with the Lord Jesus Christ and walk the road of holiness and separate themselves from the world, then they will not err therein. They're not making a wrong choice. It's the right choice in life to walk the road of holiness. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast. In other words, on this road that leads to Zion, the holy city of God, There is nothing that will devour and destroy you. Oh, the world will throw what it has at you, but you're on a road that is protected by the Most High God. But the redeemed shall walk there. And here it is, verse 10 again. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. And that's true. Every time we pray, every time we gather together and worship and the joy of the Lord abounds among us, is as if we're rejoicing on our journey, on our way back to the fullness of freedom that awaits us in the heavenly state. Now, let me dig a little bit deeper into this idea of being ransomed. What is a ransom? The dictionary definition, the price paid to deliver a prisoner, a slave, or a kidnapped person from his or her captors. And of course, The entire human race has been captivated by the prince of darkness, brought under the dominion and the control of the evil one, the wicked one, the fallen angel, Satan, the accuser of the brethren. He's ensnared the entire human race and all have been deceived by him to one degree or another. But Jesus paid the ransom price and we're going to get to that a little bit later. But first, I want to reference one of the most infamous, I started to say famous, but it's really an infamous story of a kidnapping that took place many years ago. Some of you may remember it. Some of you might need to look it up in Wikipedia. But Patty Hearst was the granddaughter of William Hearst, who was a media magnet. He was uh, he was a owner of radio stations, newspapers, all kinds of media companies to the degree where he was one of the richest men in the world. And she was kidnapped. She was his granddaughter. And the SLA, which is an acronym for the Symbionese Liberation Army, they kidnapped her, tortured her, abused her, and they wanted to turn her into someone 
who thought like they did, they demanded a ransom of millions of dollars of food for some purpose that they wanted to use it for. But in the process, they tried to manipulate and control and brainwash her until she, this heiress of millions of dollars, would think like they thought. And they succeeded, or apparently it seemed they succeeded, because she was caught in a bank robbery with them, toting a big gun as they robbed the bank, and she was put in prison for several years as a result. But the point I want to make is the kidnappers brainwashed her until she had the same mindset. Twisted, yes, Perverted, yes, but she had the same twisted, perverted mindset they had. And she became a pawn used by them. Isn't that exactly what Satan wants? When he kidnaps the offspring of Adam and Eve, his intentions are to dominate and control and abuse and brainwash until we think like he thinks. In rebellious thoughts against God and dark lustful, angry, hateful ways dominating our hearts and lives. Thank God Jesus made a difference. And I love, love, love this scripture, and I believe you will too. Jeremiah 31, 11 says, For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one who was stronger than he. See, on our own, we were powerless. We were weak before this adversary of the human race that had such greater control. And we couldn't have broken free just by willpower or religion or philosophy or self-help programs. None of these things would have ultimately enabled us to break free from this kidnapper of the human race. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob Redeem means to buy back that which has been lost, stolen, sold, or forfeited. It's very similar to ransom, but it means something a little different. The Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him who was stronger than he. See, I believe God had to allow, or God suffered it to be so, I'll put it that way, that we would face things bigger than us, stronger than us, mightier than us, so that he could intervene and we could recognize and realize and appreciate, worshipfully appreciate, the fact that he rescued us from something that we never could have escaped from on our own. Just like David running out on the battlefield with Goliath, he never could have conquered that giant without God intervening in his life. Neither could you or me. Neither of us could have conquered sin, conquered Satan, conquered death, conquered hell, conquered the grave. All of our enemies were stronger than us, but he ransomed us from an enemy that had complete control. See, Psalm 49, verses 7 through 9, written by the sons of Corinth, by the way, and if you know or remember who Korah was, K-O-R-A-H, He was one of the three leaders that rebelled against Moses and Aaron and the ground opened up and swallowed them and they went down quick into the pit. So I guarantee you that was a despised family in Israel. Those are the offspring of Korah. But the amazing thing about it is they became some of the most revered 
and respected worshipers later on, the offspring of Korah. And so they were ransomed from this dark past that they inherited from their forefathers. Well, the same thing can happen for you. Uh, You can say like Abraham could, the curse stops with me because Abraham's father was a, a idol maker, an idol worshiper, and a curse was supposed to travel down to the third and fourth generation of those who committed that sin. And yet, Abraham became monotheistic in his worldview and, of course, departed from his brethren, his family, his siblings who were all involved in idolatry and followed God, and he became the source of a blessing that passed down to millions, including you and me. We are children of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. So the past has no power over us when we connect with the one who is stronger than it all. Listen to Psalm 49, verses 7 through 9, written by the sons of Korah. No one can ever redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him because the price for him is too high. And then the complete Jewish Bible says, leave the idea completely alone to have him live on eternally and never see the pit. So they're talking about the pit. No wonder that's been a story that passed down through the family, how the forefather Korah was swallowed up by the pit. But they said no one can ransom his brother to escape that. Ultimately, we need divine intervention, in other words. Now, let me take you back to something that's highly symbolic. The census tax in Israel. And this has something to do with being the ransomed of the Lord. Exodus chapter 30 is the chapter that talks about it. I'm taking you to verse 12. When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there be no plague among them when you number them. So if Moses or Joshua or any of the leaders after that were to take a census, it was absolutely required that when the census was taken, every Israelite man paid a ransom price for himself. What was that ransom price? A half a shekel, a half of a silver shekel, which equals about 32 cents in modern-day currency. That's in verse 13. God said, This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give, half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And the the half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Now, what I get out of that is that everyone had to pay the same price. In fact, verse 15 says, The rich shall not give more, the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. So it wasn't out of reach for poor people, and the rich could certainly afford it. But the ground was level when it came to redemption. When it came to the ransom price, it was equal for everyone. And the same is true with respect to the cross, the ultimate ransom price. The ground is level at the cross. There's no big eyes. There's no little use. We all require the same amount. And he said it's to make atonement for yourself. Atonement is really an Old Testament word. It means a covering for sin. 
not the obliteration of sin, not the stamping out of existence that took place when Jesus put our enemies under his feet and his enemies became his footstool because our enemies were his enemies and he conquered sin to the point where he purged it right out of our hearts and out of existence altogether. But in the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats and the 32 cents of a census tax was just an atonement. It was a temporary covering that dealt with the sin problem temporarily, but it could not change the nature of people. Now, let's go to the next verse, verse 16. And you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel, and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord. A memorial, a memorial to make atonement for yourselves. Two things come out of that verse really forcefully to me. Number one is this ransom price was for the upkeep and for the building of the tabernacle. Originally, it created the silver pillars that were all around the tabernacle on which the curtain was hung. Think of that, that they, through the ransom price, created a tabernacle for God to dwell in. Much higher level, the ransom price that was paid for you that wipes your sin out of existence also simultaneously creates a tabernacle for the Lord to dwell in. And that ransom price is a memorial that goes up before the Lord. Just like Acts chapter 10, the first Gentiles that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Cornelius and his household, the angel of the Lord came to Cornelius and told him that his alms and his prayers had gone up like a memorial before the Lord and then told him to get Peter to come and tell them about the way of truth. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing how his acts of kindness toward the poor and his prayers were remembered before God? And when God sees the ransom price that has been paid for us, it's a constant eternal memorial going up before the throne of the Almighty as a reminder, in a sense, that we are free from our captor. Now, there's much more that can be said about that, but I urge you to go and just read Exodus 30 yourself. Now, let me share with you one of the most peculiar passages of Scripture with regard to this revelation. Isaiah 43, verses 3 and 4. God said, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom." Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. What a strange scripture. But God was talking about how he assessed the situation in Egypt. There were two people, two groups of people, the Egyptians, the Israelites. And of course, there was a mixed multitude that identified with Israel also. But one of those groups had to be sacrificed in a sense for the other to go free. And so Egypt became a ransom price. The destruction of that empire was what was necessary to release God's people into freedom. And in like manner, God has done something for us, and I'll get to it in just a moment. But first, 
Romans 9, verse 17, God said concerning Pharaoh, the leader of the Egyptian empire, for this purpose have I raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. And so God allowed Pharaoh to have this temporary control of his people and to try and subject them to his dark agenda so that God, through Moses and Aaron, could overcome him and show his power in the earth and make his name to be declared. Well, we're not fighting against visible forces. We're fighting against invisible forces. And God is judged between the church and the oppressor, Satan, and his empire of demonic underlings. And he will crush, fully and totally crush, that empire of the demonic world in order to loose us from captivity. And that's why I believe Proverbs 21.18 says, The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful for the upright. And that also overflows to things in this world because there are wicked people in this world that must be overpowered and overcome. A good example is Hitler and his regime had to be crushed so that good people, godly people, redeemed people could go free from that bondage. So sometimes it's in the natural, sometimes it's in the supernatural. In fact, God has used some of the most wicked people as an example to ransom us from making the same stupid errors. Let me give you an example. Jude 1.7 says, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. See, the wicked became a ransom for the righteous. And even the destruction of those cities is a reminder to people around the world, even those that don't claim to believe in the Bible know about Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's a witness to them of God's feelings concerning that sin. All right, let me take you to the ultimate ransom, and then I'm going to end. And that's found in Hosea 13, verse 14. Listen to it. God is not finished with us yet. We've been ransomed spiritually. We're in the process of being ransomed soulishly, and we will be ransomed physically and completely. And that's what this verse is talking about. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O oh, death, I will be your plagues. O oh, grave, I will be your destruction, and pity shall be hidden from my eyes. In other words, God is not going to pity the things that he brings to an end so that we can be fully liberated. He's going to be very firm in crushing the power of death, crushing the power of the grave, crushing the power of Satan, crushing the power of sin. Thank God, the redeemed of the Lord, let me quote it one more time, then we're through, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come with singing to Zion, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Aren't you glad you're a part of that number?
Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.